you to turn in your Bibles to uh, the New Testament commentary on Psalm 129, and that is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's on page 965 of your pew Bibles, and a misprint there, my mistake. Uh, we're going to begin reading at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, and then reading through the 18th verse. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. As you're turning there, give thanks to God for our worship team. Uh, faithfully leads us in singing God's praises each Lord's Day. It is a joy to, to be working together um, for the glory of God. And Second Corinthians 4, verse 7, hear the word of God. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light Momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen. Uh, To this reading of God's inspired, inerrant, infallible word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word will stand forever. Always true. Will always point us uh, to the, the, the glory of God in Christ, our Savior, Lord, we pray this morning that that your Holy Spirit would be at work within each of our hearts, mine included, Lord. As we feed upon your word, strengthen us in our walk of faith uh, so that we would go forth to, to serve you, Lord. May we not grow weary in well-doing. 
for your word promises us that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We give you thanks always in Jesus' name. Amen. I would invite you to turn in your Bible, Psalm 129. That's going to be our our text for today. And as you're turning there, you know, in, in our study of the Psalms of Ascent thus far, we've heard and prized some powerful opening verses. Just to give you an example, a few examples, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Next one, Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And then skip ahead to 128, Psalm 128, 1, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You know, great gospel verses uh, encouraging us, strengthening us in, in our walk of faith. And now, here in Psalm 129, we, we hear these striking opening verses. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. You know, what, what's happening here to these, these holy pilgrims, these, these faithful followers of, of the Lord God? They're, they're headed up to Jerusalem, remember, to celebrate you know, one of the three annual feasts, Passover, Pentecost, Day of Atonement. And, and yet we read these words, afflicted. You go ahead, we'll hear that word, wicked. And then those who hate Zion. You know, there, there's a reality here of persecution for God's people, even as they prepare for worship. Then as now, uh, those who love and follow their faithful God must find strength to persevere in pain. You know, it's not a cakewalk to heaven. You know, there, there, there are these painful circumstances, persecution. And what would the Lord have for us to learn here? I believe this truth, that as we endure affliction, and and we do, but as we endure affliction, our righteous Lord enables us to persevere. What does it mean for Christians then to persevere? Uh, We persevere in affliction. Uh, We persevere with assurance there, verse 4. And then we persevere against atheists or adversaries. You know, let's begin there. Psalm 129, verse 1, encourage you to, to keep your Bibles open as we study God's word together. You know, God's people are crying out to the Lord, you know, but... You can see here they're looking on past crises, you know, before they're celebrating God's strong deliverance. It begins with a a cry of affliction. You know, greatly have they afflicted me. It's important to understand each of these words. Affliction. You know, it speaks of persecution for your faith in Christ. 
You know, that, that which brings pain, uh, not just physical pain, spiritual pain in their walk of, of faith. And, and it's not just, you know, once in a while affliction. What's the word there? Greatly have they afflicted me. Frequently have they afflicted me. Intensely have they afflicted me. And who are, what does they refer to? You know, that pronoun, it refers to Israel's enemies. And not only Israel's enemies, but more importantly, as we'll see, they're God's enemies. You know, greatly have they afflicted me. What's, what's this pronoun refer to? It refers to Israel. You know, th- this is a psalm that is being sung maybe even shouted out to the Lord corporately. Greatly have they afflicted me. One more part from my youth. You know, again, if we're thinking of Israel, you know, what, what would be the youth of Israel? You know, here are these verses. Or you can turn in your Bibles, Exodus chapter 1, verse 11, and then verse 14, Exodus 1, 11. This is when God's people are in bondage in Egypt. Exodus 1.11, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh stores, cities, Pithom and Ramses. Skip ahead to verse 14. Start with 13. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field and all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So when, when Israel, or God's people here, Psalm 129, they, they've afflicted me from my youth. Lord, you know, look back at our history, our, our walk of faith. You know, we've always been suffering affliction. You know, and as you follow the history of Israel through the Old Testament, then to the New Testament, a few highlights. Israel was persecuted in the book of Judges by the Midianites in Gideon's day. You know, then the Philistines in Saul and David's day. And then being carried off into it. Exiled by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. And then you think of the persecution of Christians. As you go through the book of Acts, you know, Stephen being martyred. You know, this, is, this was the, the regular struggle of God's people. You know, the affliction, persecution. You know, for their faith in Christ, not only external, but internal. You know, think of their afflictions of being depressed, you know, discouraged, hopeless. You ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hands. You know, greatly have they afflicted me, Lord. Matthew Henry has this helpful comment relating this to the church, therefore to us. Quote, God's people 
have always had many enemies, and the state of the church from its infancy has frequently been an afflicted state. You know, this cry of affliction, and it's so strong, you know, you can read it in your Bibles, and we read it aloud, it's repeated. You know, for, for those of us who are hard of hearing, slow to learn, you know, remember this, greatly have they afflicted me. Let Israel, let all of God's people now say. But look at the last part of verse 2. Just after I said, greatly they have afflicted me from my youth. You know, here's a, uh, just a, a glorious word of hope. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Yes, they've had temporary triumphs. Yes, they've had a few fading victories. Uh, Yet here is the comfort of, of God's deliverance. You know, even at the beginning of Jeremiah, as they're prepared, as God's people are being prepared to be carried off into exile in, in Babylon, we read this, Jeremiah one nineteen, They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Yes, they're fighting against you, but the outcome of the battle has already been determined. You know, they they will lose that battle. The Lord our God is with us to defend us, to defeat the foe, to deliver us. You know, it points us ahead to the New Testament. You know, there at, at almost at the end of Matthew's gospel, Peter has confessed Christ and Jesus is foretelling his, his death on the cross. And we hear this, Matthew 16, 18. Now, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, what's the word? Prevail against it. Now, it's not just Old Testament. Now, Christ will build his church, is building his church. You know, gates of hell shall not prevail. That, that ought to be a verse you have stored in the front of your mind and heart these days, watching the news, watching the culture around us, Christ is still building his church. The gates of hell most definitely shall not prevail against it. I'll give you one more verse. We've read that whole portion from 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and following, but let me read those opening verses again. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, we are to persevere even in affliction. Yes, there is a crisis of faith, and it gets more intense there in verse 3. You know, this crisis of faith, that cry of affliction, the comfort of God's deliverance, and this crisis, the pain of persecution, 
You know, it's, it's a very visual image here. You know, the plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. To give you a sense of what is being proclaimed there, you know, that's, I believe, a messianic reference to Christ and his scourging. You know, hear this from Isaiah 50, verse 6. Isaiah 50, verse 6. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. You know, it's a picture here even of Christ suffering for us. You know, there as he was headed to the cross to die for for our sins. You know, it's the evil, the exacting, the excruciating work of, of Israel's enemies, our enemies. They're plowing here. You know, why would they be plowing? I believe here they're, they're plowing to destroy the harvest. It's been planted. Maybe it's begun to sprout. They're ready to harvest it. You know, along comes the enemy, and, you know, we're just going to plow it all under. To inflict despair cause hopelessness. You know, persevering in affliction. I think some of you knew and appreciate your prayers. Um, Church I pastored before I came uh, to Hope Presbyterian Church was Edwards Presbyterian Church in Edwards, Mississippi. And uh, a dear sister in Christ uh, went home to be with the Lord actually last Sunday. They had the service uh, this Friday, past Friday at 11 a.m. And so Lynn and I zipped over there. Uh, for that, um, you know, Miss Kay, just give you her first name, as she had been a widow for 11 years, I'm trying to figure out the timeline, but about 15 years ago, she had a liver transplant, she had been waiting a long time, had it down at Oshner's, recovered from that liver transplant, just about the time she was recovering, uh, her husband, Louis, you know, a, a dear brother in Christ, an elder at the church there, was uh, diagnosed um, with Lou Gehrig's, with ALS. Uh, she cared for him at home, and his was his symptoms were um, he just lost all nerve sensation, muscle movement, barely blink his eyes. You know, but you know, I know blessing from the Lord struggle, you know, his mind was still sharp. Visit with him, read scripture, pray together. Um, One who was afflicted, you know, and then to add to it, learned it yesterday, I'd I'd never, or Friday, I'd never heard this before, Uh, Miss Kay was abandoned by her father as a child. Never complained. A, a godly woman, you know, cared for her husband, her children, son, daughter, her grandchildren. You know, persevering in, in affliction. How can Christians persevere in affliction? You know, it, it goes back there to, to the last part of, of verse 2. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Don't ever forget that truth. 
You know, at times we can see, man, the wind and the waves, the struggle, the pain is, is too much, Lord. And, and, and God reassures us. They have not, the enemy, Satan himself, has not prevailed, will not prevail against us. And how do we know that for sure? Because of Christ, because of his death for our sins on the cross, his resurrection from the grave. Came across a, a, a quote from Gospel Reformation Network. It was a quote by Jonathan Edwards, and um, just one sentence, but a rich sentence. And, and I believe he's writing about these Psalms of Ascent. He writes, quote, the way to heaven is ascending. We must be content to travel uphill, though it be hard and tiresome and contrary to the natural bias of our flesh. Yes, it is an uphill battle. And God promises us that we will persevere. He will enable us to persevere in affliction. Persevering with assurance there, verse 4. You know, this is the high point of, of this psalm, the, the summit. You know, it's, it's been a tough ascent uh, to get to it, but if you've ever done, climbed a, a sizable mountain or even a big hill, you know, you get to the top, you get to enjoy the panorama, hopefully sit and have something to eat while... Or you have to continue the hike, knowing, you, yes, you do have to go down as well. You know, but, but here is the assurance, and, and it begins with an assurance of God's character, the Lord. Uh, don't ever take that title for God for granted. The Lord, the faithful, covenant-keeping God, whose steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is righteous. You know, that's one of the chief themes of Romans. You know, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. You know, but remember these verses uh, from the beginning of Romans. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. That is, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You know, we live by faith in the Lord who is righteous. You know, consider all the awesome Attributes of God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, holy, just, merciful, mighty. But in that list of God's attributes is that attribute of, of God's righteousness. You know, we, we sang in that uh, new hymn, uh, you can see it there in your bulletin, uh, that line near the beginning, he, that is Christ, is my joy my righteousness, my freedom. You know, there, there is joy in the righteousness of Christ. There is freedom in the righteousness of Christ. 
you know, that, that righteousness of Christ that is credited to our account, our verse of assurance of pardon there, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Let me read it for us again. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. You know, so two, two assurances there. The Lord is righteous, but the, the Lord credits, imputes the righteousness of Christ to us. And so when our holy heavenly father looks at us now, we who are in Christ, he doesn't see our sinfulness. He sees us clothed in the righteous garments of Christ. You know, so even as we're going through these afflictions and Satan seems so strong, you know, we have this assurance. You know, the, the Lord is righteous. Take it one step further. You know, he has cut the cords of the wicked. Some understand this, and and good reason. You know, that the Lord has cut the harness straps of the oxen that were pulling the plow that was making those long furrows on the back, you know, stopped that painful, destructive work of Satan. You know, but I take it a step further. By God's grace, he, he gives us the assurance that he delivers us from Satan's snares, our bondage to sin, our captivity to the evil one. You know, Satan has no, ought not to have any grip anywhere in, in our life. You know, think back, you know, thinking about persevering with assurance, cutting the cords of wickedness. Think back to one of the infamous judges of Israel, Samson, and, and yes, I believe that we'll see Sans, Samson in heaven. We can talk about it if you want over a cup of coffee. But, uh, you know, in Judges 17, won't won't read it, but to give you an overview, uh, we learn about all the ways that deceitful Delilah sought to ensnare Samson for the Philistines. Interesting, all with cords or strings. Uh, the first time... Uh, Samson tells her that he would become weak if they bound him with seven fresh bowstrings. You know, then she says the Philistines are coming. Samson snaps the bowstrings. And then uh, Samson said, well, if you bind me with new cords, new ropes, then, you know, I will be bound. And again, she binds him and... She says, Philistines are coming, in, coming and you, you know what happens. Um, Samson swiftly snaps the ropes, and then uh, next she weaves and binds his hair in a loom. And she says, Philistines are coming, and, and Samson, you know, picks it up and runs with uh, the loom still bound in his hair. And, and, and you know the rest of the story. You know, till it ends with uh, Samson defeating the enemy there at the temple of Dagon. He prays to the Lord God, you know, feels the pillars and brings it down, defeats his and Israel's enemies. You know, two assurances here in Psalm 129, verse 4. You know, the Lord's glorious righteousness, you know, that, that ought to assure us. The Lord is righteous. 
But secondly, his, his gracious work of releasing us from bondage to sin. Reminding us here, just one verse, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, for this light momentary affliction. I I love that phrase. It's light, it's momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Finally, we are to be persevering Against atheists, that was the word that first came to mind with uh, verses 5 through 8. Probably a better way of describing it would be um, adversaries preparing, in a, persevering in affliction, persevering with assurance, and now persevering against atheists. You know, Psalm 129 is, is such a, uh, a unique, a striking psalm. Uh, Spurgeon, writing about it, summarized it this way. It's a mingled hymn of sorrow and strong resolve. It's a mingled hymn of sorrow and strong resolve. You know, and um, strong resolve here at the end. There's elements of what we could call an imprecatory prayer. If you've read through the Psalms, you know, where, where David and others in, in holy righteousness call for God's holy destruction upon the enemy. You know, and it's a prayer here against uh, those who are against God. You know, not agnostics. Agnostics are those who are unknowing, ignorant, usually indifferent. But, but what's an atheist? Atheist is antagonistic. You know, there's an unholy hatred against a righteous, a sovereign, a just God who loves us in Christ. And and so here's his prayer, verse 5 and following through 7. You know, three things he prays. And he prays this against all who hate Zion, all who hate God's holy and righteous reign, those who hate the worship of the one true and living God who who loves us in Christ. May all who hate Zion, and then here's the prayer, first request, be put to shame and turned backward. May they be baffled, may they be confounded, may they be turned back, divinely driven back. May they turn tail, you know, and run away. Before God. A second, he prays this. You know, let them be like the grass on the housetops. You know, in Israel's architecture, they had, they had flat roof houses. And, and as I understand it, uh, they would compact mud and other material. They would have rollers. So it was, uh, you know, that, that hard, sun-dried clay But since it was dirt there, you know, you would have grass seeds that would blow in the wind. It would land upon your rooftop, and and it would begin to sprout. You know, the challenge was, you know, sort of like Jesus' parable of uh, the, the four soils, seed on the rocky soils would shoot up, soon wither. That's what would happen to this grass. 
you know, in different spots. It would shoot up for a little bit, but before it could bear much, if any, fruit, whether it's wheat or whatever, it, it, it would wither. And so that's the, the prayer uh, for, for these enemies of God. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows. You know, if the reaper, probably a lazy reaper, sees, oh, here's an easy harvest, I'll just climb this roof. And, but when he gets there, you know, there's not even enough to fill his hand, not, not enough to, to hold close to his chest and carry off uh, to, to be, um, separate the wheat from the chaff. You know, but finally, well, there's a... a, a Put to shame, like grass on the hilltop, on the housetops. But this barrenness. Again, Matthew Henry calls this a little and short and sour and good-for-nothing harvest. And finally there, what's the plight of God's foes? Ends, ends on a, uh, here still hearing God's holy judgment. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. One last uh, cross-reference, if you know the book of Ruth at all. You know, Ruth is out there gleaning. And we hear this in Ruth chapter 2, verse 4. And behold, Boaz, he he owned the fields. Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. You know, that that was a happy greeting between between men uh, of shared faith in the Lord. Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. You know, and what do we read here in Psalm 129, verse 8? May those who pass by, may they not say it, may they not hear it. It's not a benediction, we could call it a malediction. You know, may they not hear, ever hear, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. The psalm ends with God's holy judgment on hardened sinners. Quick story, a couple applications. In, uh, in seminary, one of my seminary classes, the visiting professor asked us to read through all 150 psalms. A little bit of busy work. And he said, well, I want you to put a title for every psalm and then give a one-sentence summary of every psalm. You know, so I, I can still clearly remember. I started off at that assignment, first 23 psalms. Oh, man, this will take me no time at all. You know, then I hit Psalm 24 and following. You know, I can't remember how long it took me. You know, five or six hours. You know, you're reading through the psalm. Okay, what's, you don't want to title every psalm the same or just this psalm is about God and about sin and salvation. You know, how, how would you title Psalm 129, how would you summarize it? You know, it's that fourth verse. You know, the Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. Yes, we endure persecution, afflictions, trials, attacks from the enemies. 
It will be that way until Christ comes again. And what gives us hope? What gives us strength to endure? The Lord is righteous. The Lord has shown us his righteousness in Christ. He has cut the cords of the wicked. So persevere in affliction. The enemy will not prevail. Persevere in assurance because of the righteousness of Christ. Persevere against all adversaries. And we can do that uh, by the, the glorious power of our risen Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you that you do not forget us in our afflictions and trials from evil, cruel enemies from Satan himself, Lord. Thank you for that assurance that they shall not prevail against us. They shall not prevail against our righteous Lord who who loves us in Christ. And for those who are enduring afflictions, trials, even today, Lord, give them hope in, in Christ. May they know the power of prayer, the truth of your word peace of your Holy Spirit. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.